This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. If any of you guys know me, you know that I'm a little bit of an extrovert, right? Like a little bit. I kind of like hanging out with people. Actually, I love hanging out with people. I'm extremely extroverted. If I could hang out with people nonstop all day, every day, I would. And um, it just, it energizes me. It excites me. I just love, 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 love hanging out with people. And this past uh, week has been absolutely bananas at my house. I've shared with some of the CC 101 people. But um, we had a wedding here last night, hence the center aisle and the flowers. And uh, it was one of my cousins that got married. And um, so I had family in town from like Kansas City and I had family from California and family from all over the place. And so my house is right next door in case you didn't know. Don't come knocking because I won't answer. But it's right next door. And uh, so the wedding was here and all the festivities were here. So my house was like Grand Central Station. There were people coming and going nonstop. I mean, we have like three couches in our living room, a sectional downstairs, uh, like an upstairs that seats like five or six people. I had kids sleeping in my bed. I mean, we had last night, People were sleeping everywhere. It was like, find a spot to lay your head, and that's where you're sleeping, right? It was insane, crazy, but I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I love hanging out with people, but that's not the case for everybody, right? There's some people that are like me that are extroverted, and you love being around people as much as possible, but then there's some of us as well who are more introverts, right? Do we have any introverts in the room? You're too scared to raise your hand, right? You're like, yeah, I am, but I'm totally not going to do that. Um, you know, some of us are introverts. The, the idea of people in our personal spaces, it, it, like, you hear what I just said, and you're already in, breaking out in a cold sweat. You're like, what? That many? What? Huh? Who? Huh? And, like, I was sharing this morning at CC 101 that in our house church, when all the kids show up and all the families show up, there's, like, some 40-something people that are in my house, and they were just like, and I could, like, instantly pick out the introverts. They were like, oh, no, 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 I'm not in, no, thank you, no, no, thank you. But then some of us are somewhere in the middle. Right? And I feel like most of us probably fall in that category where we're like, yeah, people are cool. And then there comes a point where you're like, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. Like, I've had enough deuces, right? Leave me alone. Give me some space. But what's awesome is that no matter where you fall in sort of your personal preference or your disposition, whether you're an, the, the, the most extreme extrovert or the most extreme introvert or somewhere in between in your personality type, no matter what that is, God calls us to experience him in community. God's design for following Jesus and for following him and being in relationship with him is in community. Whether it be one-on-one for the more introverted, you know, socially quiet types discussing the Bible or discussing some curriculum or going through a book together. Or maybe it's a small group of friends doing a book study or doing like, like, char- like a neighborhood liturgy at your home or having people over. Maybe it's like a smaller group of that. Maybe it's a house church where you're discussing the stuff that they talked about at church, but it's an opportunity for you to fellowship and for you to connect and for you to kind of discuss and dissect and digest scriptures together. Or even if it's this larger communion here in a larger congregation like this where we're at church in a corporate setting and we're singing and and we're worshiping and we're learning and we're serving and we're doing all these things, no matter what way that we express this, God has called us to experience him in community. And so this morning we're wrapping up our series that we're calling Love Like Jesus. In week one we talked about forgiveness and how we need to forgive like Jesus. We need to accept and reflect his forgiveness. Some of us accept it, but we don't necessarily reflect it. 
And so we need to be kind of a conduit for God's forgiveness. And then in last week, we talked about uh, washing feet. And we talked about how we need to serve. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve, right? Oh, you got served, right? We showed the graphic that like half the people laughed at and half of you were dodging lightning bolts. Um, and so we talked about how, you know, God came to serve, not be served. And, and we are not called to, uh, as, as consumers, but as contributors, Right? When, when we are the church looking to meet the needs of the world and we uh, locate a need and we say, oh, I can do that, that one's mine, right? And we step in the game and we start serving others. Well, today we're going to talk um, about this concept of breaking bread. Breaking bread, not breaking bad, breaking bread, okay? We're talking about this concept of breaking bread and communion um, and, and, and eating together and hanging out together and community together because that is such an important part following Jesus. So let's pray together, and then we'll jump into this biblical concept of breaking bread together. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the party that is taking place right now back in the kids' church, that our kids are back there learning about you and the foundations of a relationship with you, and it's fun, and it's exciting, and it's awesome, and the kids are so stoked about it. I thank you for the people that are back there volunteering, pouring into my children, and pouring into the children of this faith community. I thank you for the opportunity that we have in this room to open your word and allow it to speak truth to us. I pray that we would open ourselves up and be receptive to what you have for us today. I pray you'd remove me from the equation, but use me as an effective mouthpiece for your truth. I pray this morning that we would leave encouraged, that we would leave edified, we'd leave challenged, and we'd leave changed. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So the first question I want to ask is, why did Jesus come? Right? And scriptures give us a lot of reasons why Jesus came. It says that he came to seek and save the lost. Right? Have you guys heard that one before? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom, right? As a payment for our sins. Did you guys, have you guys heard that one before? Or is this brand new news to you? You've heard, you've, okay, so you've heard this one before. Um, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Have you guys heard that one before? I have abundant life. Um, so so we, we, the Bible's pretty clear on why Jesus came. But I want to answer another question this morning that's, how did Jesus come? How did Jesus come? How did he do his ministry? How did he establish relationship with people? How did he function when he was on this planet? And you could say teaching. Yeah, he did that. Jesus came teaching and preaching. He did this. Jesus came healing and with miracles and all these different things. We know sort of the ministry of Jesus, but there's something that I feel like the church misses in such a massive way, and Scripture talks about it. And then we see it all throughout, but we don't necessarily ever kind of elevate it and say, oh yeah, this is super important. This is like vital to ministry. This is vital to following Jesus. So in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, it says this. And you guys are going to love this because I love this. I love doing these things, and you love doing these things. And Jesus is like, yo, this is how we should do things, right? And so in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, he says this. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Sign me Sign me up. Right? That's all. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. You're like, oh, well, it was like holy water that he was drinking. No, no, it wasn't. It says the Son of Man came eating and drinking so much so that people accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. Dude liked to party. Right? He liked hanging out with people. He liked sharing meals with people. And I promise you, he didn't get accused of being a drunkard from drinking grape juice. Some of you may want to act like you have to go to the bathroom and you can leave. That's okay. 
No judgment. We gave you donuts. We'll send you in peace. It says so much that people accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. It says the son of man came eating and drinking. Guys, community and relationship and breaking bread with people was vitally important to the ministry of Jesus. In the New Testament, New Testament meals were an event that could last for hours, right? You ever been to like a wedding reception? New Testament meals could have been this sort of vibe and this sort of atmosphere and feeling because it was a huge deal. There was a lot of talking, a lot of laughing, a lot of relationship development taking place. And the purpose of these meals was deep fellowship. The purpose of these meals was to hang out with each other, to get to know each other, to be in a more intimate setting and, and, and to really get to know one another. See, first century believers believed that they could best experience God in community, that they could best experience God by sharing a meal together. And so you thought that it was just the modern church that eats at everything, but it's not. I mean, we're going all the way back to like biblical days. Right? They were like, food is so important. It's such an intimate, opening kind of catalyst for conversation and relationship and community. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, we have this sort of snapshot of the early church. Right? It's the best snapshot that we have of what the first century followers of Christ looked like. Now, as I read this, I want you to pay attention because it's a lot different than our current context. It's a lot different than the local church in the now a day. So check this out. Listen to what this says. It says, in, uh, starting in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to what? The fellowship. That's important. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, or to the apostles teaching and to fellowship. And then what? To the breaking of bread which again is fellowship, community, eating together, hanging out, and to prayer. It says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now, is that, is that up on the screen? Okay, so check this out. Read this again and think, how often do they talk about ministry and how often do they talk about hanging out with each other? Because when you read it with that in mind and you read it in that context, the first century church, yeah, they did a lot of ministry, but they hung out all the time. Community was clutch. Community was a vital part of who they were as a Christ follower. As they were trying to work out this whole like religion thing, this whole relationship with God thing, community was right at the center of all of it. And so in verse 42, when it lays it out there, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they list four things that they devoted themselves to, that they were super intentional about, that they did on purpose. Two of those things are spiritual disciplines. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That would be equivalent of us to saying we devoted ourselves to church or to house churches or to reading the Bible. Because newsflash, Jesus didn't have a Bible to read. Throwing that out there, okay? So it would be the equivalent to sort of something like that. We devoted ourselves to the teachings of Jesus, right? So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and then they devoted themselves to prayer, which we can do that as well. But then the second, the other two uh, disciplines that they throw out there that they devoted themselves are communal disciplines, so we have two spiritual disciplines that say teaching and prayer, but then we have two communal disciplines of fellowship and breaking bread. 
Do you see how this is so important to have both? Because it was the idea that that's the way that you work out this whole following Jesus thing. It's not to, meant to be a solo journey. It's not meant to be, you know, uh, I'm just going to open God's word and allow it to speak to me and then it's going to, what? That's not the original intent. The intent is for you to do it with other people. There's two communal disciplines and two spiritual disciplines and it says everyone was together. And you know what's really awesome about this? Their commitment to community pointed people to Jesus. Their commitment to community pointed people to Jesus because it says they were together every day sharing all things, had all things in common, and what? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They didn't look at these people and say, man, they really have the scriptures memorized well and they can win a debate. I'm gonna go follow Jesus. They saw this group of people that loved each other like nobody else loved each other, that hung out with each other like nobody else hung out with each other, that were sharing things like no one else shared things, that were in community like nobody else was in community, and they said, holy crap, I want some of that. I want what they got, right? I want to be part of whatever they're part of. I want to live life like they're living life. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is why we're super intentional around here at Central Church to call ourselves a faith community. And we remind you every single Sunday at the end of service, we say we call ourselves a faith community because faith is super important and community is super important. And we, so what do we always say? Don't be lying for the door. Talk to somebody before you leave, right? Because that's just as important as the songs you sang, as the words we just spoke and what we talked about. Hanging out with each other is just as important. And so we believe that it's a both and, not an either or. It's not a, oh, well, I go to this church and the people are a bunch of jerks, but man, they really teach the Bible good. You're not getting the full picture here. Or I go to this church and they're a lot of fun and they're really cool, but they don't really talk about Jesus that much. You're missing the picture. It's a both and. They are, they are of, of, of huge, huge, huge value together. They're of huge value together. We believe that they're synonymous, that faith is designed for community. And that faith is best lived out through community. And so community only happens on purpose, though. It doesn't just, you don't just wake up and say, oh, look, I have 10 really awesome best friends. This is great. No, community happens on purpose with work and, and intentionality and making it happen, right? It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the prayer, to breaking of bread, and to fellowship. They devoted themselves. That means they made a commitment. They were proactive. They were intentional. They were doing it on purpose, okay? It is not always easy to hang out with other people. It's just not. Especially, I mean, in my life, I got four kids that are under the age of seven. It's not always easy to hang out with people. It's easier to say, hey, I'm gonna turn on Pokemon in the basement, you go do your thing, and me and my wife are gonna have a moment of sanity, right? I mean, that's reality. It's not always easy, but it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to the apostles' teaching. It takes intentionality to create this and cultivate this sort of community. And community is one of the best ways to point people to Jesus. I know you thought it was your tracks that you've been handing out, but it's not. I know you thought it was your door-to-door evangelism and your picket signs at the abortion clinics, but it's not. That is not the best way to point people to Jesus. The best way to point people to Jesus is to be a community who loves each other, a community that serves each other, a community that is devoted to breaking the bread, a community that is devoted to fellowship, a community that is devoted to the apostles' teaching, a community that is devoted to prayer. 
Because it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, that the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. You want to point people to Jesus? Cultivate a community that attracts people and points people to Jesus. It's not your t-shirts, it's the community that's going to reach them. It's not beating them over the head with the Bible, it's the community that's going to change their perspective, that's going to change their outlook, that's going to change their lives. And so I have two thoughts or two sort of action points or, or, or takeaways in this. And the first one is this, there is power in presence. There is power in presence. It's a powerful thing to be present. Being present with people is massive. I mean, how many of you guys have ever said, I'll pray for you? Let me see. The rest of you are lying. How many of you said, honestly, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you ever said, I'll pray for you? Someone shares their struggles, they're pouring out their heart, and oh yeah, I'll pray for you. I'm not getting down on that because I say that too. And I've said that to many of you. And I have prayed for you. I make it a habit. If I say I pray, I'll pray for you, then I go, God, please be with them. So I know I at least prayed a little bit for you. You know? I know that I'm not lying. At least I was like, yeah, God, please be with them. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Next conversation. Right? But so, so I'm not lying. I'm, I'm actually praying for you. But um, I, I know we've said this, but think about how much more powerful it would be if rather than when someone poured out their heart to us and said, oh, I'm struggling with this, my kid's doing that, my wife's doing that, my husband, whatever, and we're pouring out our hearts rather than saying, oh, man, that's so tough, I'll pray for you. Imagine the, the difference in power and, and might if we were to say, hey, can I pray with you right now? Can we pray together over this? You know why it's more powerful? Because there's power in presence. You're there with them, praying with them in the here and now. It's not some abstract, distant thing. There's power in presence. Another example of the power of presence, say your family wants to watch a movie on a movie night, right? And so you give one kid your phone, the other kid your, other, your wife's phone, you give another kid an iPad, one watches the TV downstairs, you go upstairs, and then the other one's in the bedroom watching it on their laptop, and then we all sync together and we say, all right, on the count of three, we're going to hit play, and we're going to watch this movie together. One, two, three, Play. And so we're all watching Moana together because Moana is the only movie to watch. And so we're all watching Moana. We're watching it together, but we're not present with each other. That's absolutely ridiculous. We look at that and say, who would do that? That's the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would anyone watch the same movie on six devices in six different parts of the house? Right? It makes so much more sense for everyone to sit down together and watch that there's power in presence. And yet we do that with reading the Bible. We do that with following Jesus. We do that with our worship. We compartmentalize ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to go do it over here, and you go do it over there, and you come do it, and I'm going to go to my prayer closet, and you go to your prayer. Guys, it makes so much more sense to do it together. It makes sense when we're talking about it in terms of watching a video, a movie on a bunch of different devices, but when we talk about following Jesus, we're like, oh, no, 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 we're separate. We're good. No, it's just as weird. The first century church would look at us and go, what are you guys doing? Why are you doing it that way? Why are you not hanging out with each other? Why are you not breaking bread in your homes? Why are you not pursuing and devoting yourselves to fellowship and the prayer and the apostles' teaching? and Why are you not? What are you doing? They would look at us the same way. Like, what in the world is going on? Because, listen, there is power in presence. There is power in doing life together with people. There is power in presence of following Jesus together, following Jesus with other people. So step one, the, the, the first takeaway is that there is power in presence. The second is that presence needs to be a priority. 
Presence needs to be a priority. It's not, oh yeah, if I get around to it, I'll do it. You know, oh yeah, if it works out, I'll do it. Oh yeah, if all my other plans fall through on Sunday afternoon, then maybe I'll consider thinking about praying about going to lunch with you. Right? Presence needs to be a priority. We need to devote ourselves to community. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor, but church needs to be a priority. It really does. When we don't make church a priority to our kids, and then we, they get to high school, and then we wonder, why do they not go to church anymore? Because it hasn't been a priority their whole life. And now that it's their decision, you think they're going to make it a priority? You know what their priority is? Sticking their head underneath the Slurpee machine and sucking as much Slurpee as possible. That's their priority. Right? If we don't establish these things, then it's not established. Church needs to be a priority. It doesn't need to be basketball, soccer, hockey's a priority, and if church fits in any of the off weeks, we'll go. Give me a shot. But that's the reality. If we want our kids to be in Christian community and we want them to grow up valuing community and making community a priority, then it needs to be a priority in our homes now because it makes a difference. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. This was the deal with my parents when they raised me. You know, we had sporting events on Saturdays. We didn't get to go. We told the coach, sorry, man. My dad was like, Sam, you're not going to be a pro basketball player anyway, so don't worry about it. And I'm crying. Yes, I will. I will, dad. You're wrong. I'm not bitter. I'm not holding on to that. It wasn't in my notes. That came from my soul. Um, I need to have a conversation with my dad, I guess. Um, no, but, but church needs to be a priority, guys. We need to be connected to a faith community. That was God's design for us to follow him. It wasn't for us to do it by ourselves. And so church needs to be a priority. And for some of us, church is a priority, and that's awesome, and that's great. And I want to challenge you to take a step further, and I want you to make house church a priority. Because church is where we come, and we sit in rows, and you listen to me talk. House church is where we sit in circles, and you talk with each other. And you digest God's word together. That's the design for community. That's the design for following Jesus is together, you know? At house church, we talk about the previous two weeks of messages that we've talked about here. So you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew and the parsing of the blah, 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 blah. You don't need to know that stuff. All you got to know how to do is click play on the podcast and you can catch up the day before because you're not going to remember what I say. And, and then you can be prepared for house church. And essentially what you do, you come in and you say, hey, first we eat together because it's biblical and we experience community together. We eat together. And then we sit around and we say, hey, what did you take from the message? How did you interpret that? What are you chewing on? What are you digesting? What did you like about what they said? What, did, what are you struggling with about what they said? How are you applying this to your life? And then you share that and you start to minister to other people without even knowing it. Because you're sharing what God's doing in your heart and in your life and it's impacting these people over here and then they start sharing and it's impacting these people over here and that's the way God designed it. He doesn't want it to be, I'm gonna speak to Sam and Sam can speak to them. That's not the way it works. It's meant to be done in fellowship and in community. And so presence needs to be a priority. Presence needs to be a priority in our relationships. We need to be devoted to inviting people to lunch or going to get coffee or hanging out. If our kids have a sport event, go to the sporting event. If we have this, invite someone to go with you. Be intentional about doing life together. Learn the people at church, learn their kids' names. That's the type of relationships we should be having. Not just like, oh yeah, you know, they, uh, you know, uh, you know, he always wears that one hat. They got the two kids that, that you know, uh, 
And you should be like, no, man, it's, it's, it's Darren, and they got a mixed family who's come together, and it's a beautiful thing, Darren and Carrie, and the, the struggles that they've had, and their kids, and their birthdays, and, and Riley was supposed to come and do the worm across the stage this morning, but he got a mini concussion yesterday, so he can't be here. That's, that's the, he's a wild child, man. I believe that that kid has, like, mini concussions on the daily, but that's the kind of relationship and depth that we should have with one another. You know, when our kids have birthday parties, we invite people from our faith community. We know each other's kids' names. We know each other, what's going on at work, what's happening. And you know where that happens? That doesn't happen on a Sunday morning when you're all sitting in rows. That happens at house churches when you begin to share life together. And so we are really, really passionate here at Central Church about faith, but we're also super, super passionate about community as well. Because it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. They were a generous community. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you thought following Jesus was all about rules and religion and do's and don'ts and you use the Bible like a constitution or use the Bible like a textbook to kind of beat you over the head. Maybe you thought that's what it's all about. Maybe that's how the Bible has been used on you in the past. Maybe that's how this whole following Jesus thing has been presented to you. And maybe you need to just kind of maybe devote yourself to faith, yes, but also you need to kind of shift gears a little bit and devote yourself to community as well and realize that that's just as important because that's God's design for us to approach the Bible. That's God's design for us to approach following him. And so maybe you need to keep dialed in on the faith thing, but you need to start following Jesus together. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship and breaking of bread so maybe you need to make a little bit of a transition and say, you know what? I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to get connected. I'm going to start doing this God thing the way that God actually intended and designed for me to do it. And I'm going to get plugged in to a faith. Even if it's not this, even if you think I'm a jerk and a weirdo for rolling up my pants, that's okay. Go somewhere else. It doesn't have to be here. But you need to get plugged into a community. You need to get plugged into a community of believers because that's God's design for following him. That's his best plan for you. And so I'm, I'm begging and pleading that you would make community a priority. Maybe you're in here this morning and you thought following Jesus was just all about having fun and partying and you always come because there's always good food, right? And sometimes they throw giant balloons from the balcony. Totally, I'm into that, right? And you think following Jesus is all about fun or whatever, and, and, it, and it is, but maybe you need to devote yourself to community but also to the faith aspect as well. Maybe you need to flip the script a little bit and say, hey, maybe I need to take this, like, devoting myself to the teachings of the apostles and, and, and to prayer. Maybe that needs to be more of a priority with me. Because if we're just coming together and hanging out and there's no Jesus at the center of it and there's no life change taking place, then we're no different than anybody else. Again, you're missing the picture and missing the point of Christian community and how God has called us to live and to follow him. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer, to fellowship, breaking of bread. Two spiritual disciplines, two communal disciplines. And when these come together, that's the sweet spot. 
That's when you're enjoying the fullness of God. That's when you're enjoying the fullness that Jesus has called us to and the way that he wants us to live our lives. And so when we're talking about love like Jesus and we've won the forgiveness thing, listen, accept his forgiveness and reflect his forgiveness. When we're talking about uh, washing feet, be a servant. The way up in the kingdom of God is down. He came to serve. You know, don't be a spiritual consumer. Be a spiritual contributor. Look for the needs of the world and how to meet them and say, I can do that. This one's mine. And devote ourselves, devote yourselves to community. Devote yourselves to breaking bread with one another. And so what we're going to do this morning is I want to give you the opportunity to do some personal inventory. I want to give you the opportunity for you to kind of step back and say, okay, I got the community thing down. I just maybe really need to focus a little more on Jesus. I need to focus a little more on you know, devoting myself to the apostles' teaching and devoting myself, my, myself to, to prayer. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to say, what relationships do I might need to kind of dial back from? Or what relationships in my life do I maybe need to focus in on and get kind of more, more, more laser-focused with the intention and the direction of that relationship? Or maybe you're in here this morning and you're really dialed in and focused on God's word, but you just don't like people. Yeah, me and God are good, but it's all these other jerks that are around me that I don't like. Well, maybe you need to maybe shift your perspective a little bit and say, you know what? Maybe I need to step out there. Maybe I need to get involved and get plugged in to a Christian community so that I can experience the fullness of God in the way that he designed, in the way that he's called us. And so this morning, what we're going to do, it's pretty cool. We're, we're taking communion together. And Jesus says, you know, this is my body, this is my blood, do this in remembrance of me and all this. But, but what's really special about communion is when we take this, what it's doing is it's, it's reaffirming us into the body of Christ. It's making us part of the equation. It's making us part of the community that is God, you know, that is that relationship. And so when we take this body and this bread, it's like we're, we're kind of refocusing and rezoning and saying, you know what? I'm part of this community and I'm remembering the sacrifice that he made for me. So I'm going to take this, and it's just sort of like saying, yeah. Like, you know how we had baptisms a few weeks ago? It's like taking a stand and saying, this is me. This is how I roll. I'm a Christ follower from here on out. This is what's up. Well, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Refocus. Refocus. Refocus on what's important. Refocus on who you are in me. Refocus that your identity is found in my sacrifice and resurrection. Refocus on those things. And so as you're doing your internal business and working it all out, we're going to have communion available as well. And so the way we do it here, you just come up, grab the bread, dip it in the juice. Yes, it's juice because wine tastes disgusting. There's no religious reason there. It's just wine is gross. So we come up, you take the bread, you dip it in the juice, you take communion, and then you can go back to your seat and you continue to worship with us. But I want to encourage you to do business with God. We've carved out a little bit of time for you to kind of be reflective and introspective business with God. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you value community. And God, I pray this morning that we're in, if we're in here today and we need to just refocus on who you are and on the spiritual disciplines in our life, I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate those areas in our lives that need change and that we would do business with you. God, if we're in here this morning and we need to work on the communal disciplines that are outlined in your word, I pray that you would give us courage, that you would give us strength, that you would give us an audacity to step out and experience the community that you have designed for us and called us to. 
God, I pray for all of us as we take this bread and this juice and we do it in remembrance of you, that we would refocus on who you are and who we are in you. That we're part of the greater community that is your body. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody say Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.